And thank you very much for listening to another episode of In the Sheds on Code with Kingy, where today we are joined by Otago and Crusaders front rower George Bauer. Now, in the spiel, we find out how the Wellingtonian got to Dunedin, what he got up to in his four year gap between games for Otago, and the emotions he felt after having won Super Rugby when only 10 months earlier had only been a reserve player at the United 10 Cup level. I'd also like to take some time to acknowledge all of the new listeners and say thank you very much for listening. And let you guys know that I also run a bit of visual content via social media to go alongside this podcast, which you can find under the handle Code with Kingy on both Instagram and Facebook. If you like what you see, please do give me a follow. But for now, though, enjoy this bit of ear candy. Um, so who are you parked up in isolation with? Um, myself, uh, uh, Andrew McLear. Yep. Um, the, um, yeah, hooker, and then just another one of the boys, just a local, oh, not local boy, sorry, he works here, um, Jay, yeah, so just us three, eh? Yeah, you yeah. taking turns, like, cooking all the meals and stuff, or Yeah, no? man, yeah, just take, yeah, take turns, but it's pretty much if you feel like cooking, you just cook. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just, just, yeah, kind of like just, yeah, take turns kind of thing, just share the load, I guess, so. Yeah? Yeah. What's, what's your specialty? Oh, boy. Well, just a, probably just a classic Fijian curry, you know. Okay. Rice, yeah, man. Nice. That always uh, uh, makes all the boys happy, which is good. Yeah. <laughs> nice, hot Okay. Yeah. So, why don't you tell me a little bit about how you got into playing rugby and where you grew up? Oh, yeah. Um, so, you yeah, grew up in Tata. Grew up in Tata on Tata Drive. Um, and then I kind of just... Dad was like, oh, why don't you just try give rugby a crack? This was probably when I was like seven, eight years old now. I think nine years old, yeah, nine. And then, um, yeah, decided to, uh, he just enrolled me into Avalon. And that's kind of when I started getting into a bit of footy. Yeah, I remember when I got my first pair of boots, I was just wearing it around the house, like rugby season hadn't even started, you know, just real excited kind of thing. Full on like rugby shorts and everything. When I got my uniform, I just wear it around. Wow, I was super excited, eh? Um, yeah, and that's how I kind of got into footy. And then, yeah, you know, the, the parents and all the cousins and stuff, they would always watch Sevens, um, Sevens rugby, Fiji rugby kind of thing. So it's kind of always been in the family to, you know, get mm-hmm. get amongst the rugby kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, but, all yeah, right. grew up in Taira and, yeah, just pretty much born and raised around those areas as well. So Yeah, and so then you kicked on to go to Taira College? Yep, went to Tata College and did all my schooling years there. And there was actually a few few good footy players that came out of there as well. Brad Shields, Mike Kanya, Nigel Awong, they all played professional rugby as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably, yeah, I think they were still playing as well. Mikey, I think he's coming back from injury, but surely he'll get back into it. But yeah, so um, they, they were, I think they two years above me or a year. Nah, so went to Tata and just, yeah, just... Kind of chipped away at Tata College, just trying to get past the the bare minimum of academic results and stuff like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's I, I don't regret going there though. Like I kind of yeah, it's because you kind of go to school with people that come from different lifestyles and stuff like that. So, you, so I kind of learned how to get along with people from you know 
gang related uh, families and then people from a bit, you know higher economic family kind of things and kind of got, uh, taught me to yeah get along with people from different lifestyles so it's actually pretty cool going to Tata yeah I wouldn't have it any other way to be honest so. sure bro always good yeah. to be able to know how to network with people from different backgrounds so hard out man and, and I saw in the story that was written last year that you sort of struggled for game time at Tata as well bro so yeah man yeah that was um <clears throat> I signed up for footy well I remember like my first time going to Tata and I was like I wanted to, all my friends were playing under 55 kgs. This is like when you were third form. And then I was, I think I was like three kgs over. And like, they were like, oh, sorry, mate, you're going to have to play under 65s. And I started like, I started crying out. I was like, oh man, all my friends are there. These guys are way bigger, even though they were like 10 kgs. Here we are. <laughs> um, and so I went to under 65s and I hardly got like, you know, I'd get like probably two minutes or three minutes off the bench, like the last couple of minutes of the game. And it kind of like, all the way up through through the second 15, first 15. Yeah, would only get to like the last five minutes or pretty much throughout my whole high school. Even when I was seventh form, I didn't really get much game time with first 15. And so I guess that kind of gave me a bit of motivation after high school to kind of, you know, prove, prove people wrong kind of thing. So yeah, it kind of probably changed the whole perspective of me working hard and stuff like that to really earn that spot. That's probably something that I didn't really think of when I was at high school. I was just like, turn up to training and train. And, that's probably why I was only getting five minutes. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so what was the plan for when you left school then? Well, I enrolled into Victoria University and did a few papers there. I didn't finish off with a degree, but oh yeah, that was the plan, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah, so that was just trying to get a degree, but it obviously didn't happen. But um, that's when I started hitting the gym and stuff and started to get a bit more fitter and, yeah, started playing, uh, what was it, under a Colts rugby for... For Avalon, so yeah, that's ha- that's what happened after high school. How many uh, years were you at Avalon for after the school? Uh, I think I was there for maybe th- oh, three years, three, three, four, thirteen. Yeah, three and a half years. Okay. Yeah, and so, so did first... you just steadily progress to the prems or what? Yeah, first year I was solely in that Colts team, and oh, we had a stacked team, mate. Oh, even thinking about it now, it was me and we were kind of doing some big upsets with the, you know, the top Colts teams from around Wellington. So it was a mean team. And that's when, um, who was that? Joe Nepia and, and Hiko Davies were our coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, the likes of like TV, TV Davies, um, a few, uh, Kalani, Nepia and them, I was the main team. But then, yeah, played the first year there out of high school, 21s and then second year kind of bounced up, up and down between the senior firsts and prems. Yeah, at that time I I was like really fit. I was um good weight, and I kind of moved into playing in the Lucy's. There, eh? I was playing six, seven, eight, um, wherever I needed to cover, and then also you know because they had the big props here, they had Dolph Shane and Solomon there. So mm-hmm. I was um yeah just covering the loose loose forwards, and I kind of enjoyed playing uh, at the loose forwards at that time. So yeah, um and Scotty was Scotty was helping out then as well. So he coached me for a bit as well there yeah, as well. Yeah. The scooter is the man, eh? Yeah, he's he's a good man. He loves the boys, eh? It's all for the boys, eh? Especially with Avalon. So, you, uh, you're playing at Avalon, and yeah. then why do you make the move to Dunedin? Oh, it was, um, yeah, so I was playing at Avalon. I actually, yeah, so I was playing at Avalon in 2014. I, I just came back from holiday from Fiji for Christmas, and I was like, oh, I don't really want to study this year. I kind of just want to take it off. 
so I decided to just you know take it off and and I was doing a bit of laboring just as a part yeah as, as a full-time laborer kind of thing and then I was like I wanted to just change it up but then one of my uncles works on the Inter Islander with one of the elders from um, Harbour Rugby Club in Dunedin so he they were like uh, their club was looking for you know for some players to come and help them help their club out that year and so he, he got in touch with my uncle and then my uncle got in touch with me they're like oh mate you know there's an option down there if you want to just go down there I'll supply you accommodation and you know just that kind of package flights down there and stuff and they'll look after you give you a job just laboring and stuff and I was like oh might as well you know I'm just pretty much doing the same thing up here just laboring and just so that's kind of how I kind of moved down and and, and see, a funny story was actually I was talking to um, a girl at the time and she was actually studying in Dunners as well. So I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, you know, two birds with one stone, uh, it won't hurt. So kind of, she's actually my missus now, been together oh, for wicked. probably six years, so it's actually kind of worked out well now. So, so it was meant um, to be, bro. Yeah, it was meant to be, bro. It's destiny, yeah. It kind of <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it kind of influenced my decision moving down as well. Well, not a big influence, but nah, nah. <laughs> she'll hear this and she'll be like, um. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's kind of what made me move down to Dunners and just, you know, give it a crack, have a fresh start. I knew no one there before moving down there. So I thought, you know, why not just spend a year in Dunners and, you know, what can go wrong? Everything's paid for, everything's there for me. So, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. So you go down there, you play the club season there. And did you play for Otago that year as well? Yeah, so I moved down there, and then I was. They were halfway through the season. I I still played. I played a few games for Avalon before I moved down, and um, was just playing a few games. And then I was one game. It was like a traditional game between two clubs, our club and another club, Tyre Rugby Club, and um, the Otago coaches were there, and uh, they watched me play, and I had a real good game that game. And um, after that, that's when they hit me up, and they were like, "Oh, like the way you scrum, like the way you play." I was playing prop. And they said, oh, we'll get you into the Otago Academy and stuff and just, you know, get you to run around with the boys and have a, you know, get a feel for the environment, Otago environment kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they got me in and then, yeah, just trained with them for the rest of the season, but not like uh, just the academy squad, sorry. And then during the actual ITMC, ITM Cup season or Team Cup season, they, one of their props went down, and which gave me the opportunity to, to get my debut off the bench against Northland. So, and I was only there for probably three, four months and then got an opportunity there to play rugby. I still remember that game too. It was probably one of the fastest rugby games I've ever played, eh? Because it's just like that transition from Mighty 10 to, um, or the, from club to Mighty 10. So, but I still remember that clearly as uh, yeah. we got pumped. But it was, yeah, <laughs> it was a good, good game to be a part of. And you made your yeah. debut, right? Yeah, I made my debut then, yeah, 2014. So uh, that was a long time ago. But, right, so that's yeah. that's pretty surreal, eh? So you moved down to a new place with the idea of just, you know, having a, a change of scenery and then, like, within three months, you're playing semi-professional rugby, bro, so... Yeah, yeah, I still think of it now sometimes, especially, you know, just, you know, that kind of, like, leaving everything behind and fully committing with my decision, and it kind of paid off, and it's kind of um, helped me to where I am now, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. And I know that it was a couple of years before you got your second opportunity to represent Otago, but in between that time, I also heard you built up a bit of a reputation as a barber, bro. Yeah, man. Yeah. And so, so how, how did that come about? Oh, bro, so, like, I was, yeah, so I was flatting then, like, 
bro, I, I went to a, a barber, sorry, and um, haircuts were ridiculous, like, expensive, probably like 35, 40, and I was like, man, I ain't paying that much for a haircut. So I started, like, <laughs> YouTubing how to cut my own hair, and then started, yeah, doing my own hair, and the boys are like, bro, you got some slick fades, who does it? And I'm like, yeah, me, me, man. And they're like, nah, you're taking the piss. But nah, I keep like, nah, it's honestly me. So then a few boys started coming around and a few of the close boys that I played with as well. And then I started, you know, lining them up at the start. You know, some of the fades weren't, you know, blended in properly. <laughs> and like there was some um, hairlines that I took probably a wee, wee bit back. So it wasn't probably the, <laughs> but you know, you kind of, uh, from the more cuts you get, you kind of get more experience and you kind of pick up on things that you didn't know last time. So I kind of just started doing that and, Next thing you know, I had like a few clients coming in and like a few big names coming in with, there was a All Blacks International Test Match there, Australia. Um, and one day Nehem and Laskada came in to a cut via Fafita. They came for a cut in my kitchen, in my flat. And then the next day, uh, Tavita Kurindrani from Australia came in. He came for a cut and I'm like, far out, taking photos with these guys. I've still got photos there. Um, Fumi Tanaka came in, Weisner Holo, so like, even the Landers boys would start coming through as well. Rob Thompson, Sir Patrick Osborne. It was pretty, um, oh, yeah, I was, I was going like, yeah, I was cutting a few of the big boys here as well. So I was like, oof. Bought myself like a real good set of clippers. I think they were like 200 and something bucks. But like, it was a good, I still got them now. I still cut with them now. They still cut nice. Yeah, bro. So kind of invested in a full clipper set with trimmers and all, um, tape and everything like that. And yeah, started getting into it and, I started making enough money to, you know, pay my rent each week. And, uh, you know, the rest, I, the rest of the money I get from my job, I just use that as pocket money kind of thing. So it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. And that was just all from word of mouth, just like always saying. <laughs> yeah, oh, bro, word of mouth, cut. yeah. And like so even random random uni students from America, from Canada, like they would come over through word of mouth and come for a cut, bro, just in my what, kitchen. What, just, just knock on your door? Yeah, like they'll they'll just message me via Instagram or give me or someone will give my number over, and then I organise them a time, and then they'll just come over. Yeah, bro, it's crazy. Bro, I, can't man. Even, I can't even imagine like Nihir just rocking up to my house. Yeah, man, that was like <laughs> far out. But it was it was pretty cool, man. He, and he, I think he he paid me like fifty bucks, but it was like I was like, yo, I'll take it, man. You know, just his presence there was like enough for me. So. Yeah, that's kind of started barbering doing in between the, the rugby kind of thing. So, yeah. um, and I was actually, I actually picked up study again and started doing a teaching degree during 2014-2018. But then I had one more year to, to go and then that's when I got the call up from Crusaders to, to play with them. And then I had to put the, the last year on hold because of that because I couldn't do it full time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've still got a, a year left of teaching and hopefully finish that. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, man, that's how the, yeah, in between the rugby years, kind of, that's how my life was. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, yeah. Man of many trades, eh? <laughs> oh, man. Maybe talk us through the the gap between your second appearance with Otago and maybe, you know, some of the feedback from the coaches and, and what went on during that time, bro. Oh, yeah, so... Um, from from when I first debuted for Otago, I think I was just over maybe 105 clicks. I wasn't, you know, a good, oh, uh, I guess a, a safe weight to be playing semi-pro rugby at prop. And so they were like, mate, you need to put on a bit of weight. You need to, 
you know. So it just gave me heaps of protein and gave me gym programs. And I just, over summer, I just smashed the gym, smashed the protein. And then I came back, I think, 2016, 15. I was, oh, 2016, sorry. I was like 125 kgs, like put on 15 kgs or 12 kgs or something like that and came back super unfit, just super strong, smashing all these records and stuff like that, like oh, all my PBs and stuff. But I was just like super, super unfit, man. So, yeah, and I came back almost overweight again. And it was kind of like a, I had to kind of get that right balance because I wasn't fit and I kind of missed my, you know, my fitter playing days where I was kind of more mobile and agile kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I kind of realized that, you know, I have to really balance myself. So I started um, trimming down again and started getting into it. And then I guess my letdown, at the time, some of the coaches were saying it was just my, a lot of my skills, especially how the game was developing, my skills probably weren't up to scratch, and and also my defense, just general, just dominant shots and stuff like that. So over the years, I kind of chipped away at it and try to, you know, really <clears throat> work on those key areas. And um, even now, it's still still something I'm still working towards just to get better and and really like finesse it kind of thing. So um, that's yeah, kind of what I've picked up over the past couple of years and really tried hard at working working at it and also scrumming I mean props number one job now is just to scrum first you know skills later but when you can do both at the same time during a game you know that's extra points man so yeah. coaches will always see that as uh, yeah so. yeah 100 bro so did you sort of find that right balance come 2018 yeah 2018 yeah man I just um, had a mean club season like I felt real fit. I felt probably one of the fitter Georges have kind of felt in the, um, ever since I was in Avalon. And uh, my skills had, had grown as well, same as defence and, and things like that. And I grew to understand the game a bit more as well. Back between Avalon and playing to Harbour Hawks, I didn't really understand the game. And, you know, I just, you know, hit the breakdowns and then scrum, hit the next breakdown, door pass here and there kind of thing. But once you begin to understand the the game, you kind of realize, oh, it's actually smarter to do this, that, blah, blah, blah. And so that's that's kind of, I started uh, developing a good understanding for the game um, that year as well. And I guess that's when the coaches saw that I was kind of getting a, I was a bit, a lot better than what I was the past couple of years. So, and then, yeah, 2018, an injury happened and I managed to get a shot again with the Otago team ever since 2014. So about four years in between. And uh, there was an injury, and then, and and then one of the boys had to go. One of the other props had to go up to Wellington, so I ended up not training with them at all. To starting against Canterbury under the roof in Forsyth Bar, yeah, bro. And that's that's how I kind of started rolling from then on, and started getting a bit more game time, and managed to get on the bench ever since that Canterbury game through to the end of the season. And that's when Otago won the Rand Furley as well. And then we got to the finals, but we just lost to Waikato there. So, but man, that was pretty unreal for me like playing semi-pro still has an injury call up throughout the whole season but you know getting that experience and, and getting that game time as well you move so fast that year as well it was kind of like a yeah just happened all of a sudden so yeah that was pretty pretty awesome for me to kind of get in the mix with Otago yeah yep. and then obviously that led to you being called up by the Crusaders and yeah, how how did that happen, bro? Did you just get a phone call or what? <clears throat> yeah, bro, it was a funny story. We had finished our um, our Otago end of year 
and if you do, and we're still on it, probably. <laughs> uh, and then I got a call uh, probably midday. It was from Jason Ryan, the forwards coach from Crusaders. Um, and he was like, hey, mate, yeah, just talking, blah, blah, blah. We've got a few All Blacks that have to rest throughout the preseason. So um, we're keen on you to come in and just, you know, fill in that spot and just as until they come back kind of thing. And I honestly, like, you know, I couldn't believe it. But I'm half tipsy here. And I'm like, fuck. Like, is this a prank call or is this, you know, someone taking the piss? So I, I'm just going along with it. And then, yeah, find out it's serious. They'll, like, he was like, yeah, we'll fly you over and um, get you sorted, medical and, and stuff like that, see how you're doing and stuff like that. And I'll meet you face to face. And I was like, holy shit, it's actually happening. Yeah, man. And he was like, some of the names he brought up for me to replace was like, you know, these guys will be out. So you're filling their, their shoes for preseason. Um, Joe Moody, Owen Franks, Tim Perry. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm just an injury call up for a tiger, and now I'm getting injury call up for Crusaders. It's like, fuck, it's just a dream. But um, yeah, man. So that's kind of how that folded out, unfolded. Sorry. And uh, next thing you know, I'm on the plane to Christchurch for preseason, and um, I still still can't believe it. How you know, just got a little opportunity for a tiger, and even then, I was an injury call up, and then it's just the people who watch a few of the games. You know, you just never know who's watching kind of thing. It was actually that Canterbury game that I got called up was the, the game they saw me play. And that's the game they kind of, I was like, oh, yeah, this guy, this guy's got potential kind of thing. And yeah, so it was pretty unreal how it all yeah, happened yeah, that bro. year. So. And one of the, the big things with you at that time was your ability to play both sides of the scrum. Yeah. And I mean, I'm a back bro, and a lot of people, unless you've played in the front row, they don't understand how much of a dark art it is, bro. So I don't know. Could you could you put it in in layman's terms, or could you simplify just how difficult it is to play tight head and loose head? Yeah, that's a good and question, how, man. And how different they are. Well, uh, Owen Franks told me last year when he was with the Crusaders, playing both sides is like throwing a, a tennis ball with both sides of your hands, but like, you know, at yeah. maximum level kind of thing. Like, yeah, so that's that's how it kind of, you know, how it is. It's it's totally different to each other. Like with the loose head, you have to keep the tight head, um, you have to try and get them up kind of thing, whereas the tight head has to keep them down. So it's kind of like a fine balance mm-hmm. between the two, but um, totally different eh? like in this this day and age there's so much technique and so much work that goes into scrums that people don't realize you know you just see a scrum and it's just like oh that's another play of the the game that we can just you know we want to see the the backs out out wide and stuff but the amount of technique and the amount of work that's put into a scrum nowadays it's uh yeah there's a lot of it and um when they say you know the older you are the better your scrumming gets kind of thing that's that's totally true i reckon eh? like because each scrum you get you you get something from that scrum to make your I guess your armor better kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Just like barbering, yeah, the more cuts you, you do, the better you get. It's like the more scrums you do, the, the better you get kind of thing. So Yeah, bro. So um but it's, it was kind of a, a benefit that I could play both sides and that's that's also one of the things that they took as well, that I could cover both sides. Uh, which was yeah, which is always good. Especially yeah. in this day and age, you know, you have people that just specialise in loose head or specialise in tight head or even specialise right wing, left wing kind of thing. But yeah. to play both, you know, that's that's always a bonus. Yeah. Especially for the, you know, the South Africa trips when they have to pick five props. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, 
<laughs> the chances of you getting that fifth spot profit is high, man, because you can play both sides. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, bro, because that's the thing, eh? Like, it's probably something you don't appreciate until, I don't know, you sort of get to a certain level that, you, I mean, you just look at a scrum, bro, and you think you can just chuck anyone in there if they're big, and you just get them to push, bro. But then, like, yeah. when you actually talk to the guys who, like yourself, who are professionals, bro, they're like, bro, it's not that easy, eh? Like, yeah. there's so much... There's so many nuances that go into like the engagement, like how you hold, or even like, out, I know man. that there's like if you're if you're wanting to twist the scrum a certain way as well, bro. But then like not give it away and all that, bro. So yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that's true, man. Like yeah, there's a real fine line between a lot of things in scrum, especially like you know, a step with your left foot outwards could. Um, you know, you can get penalised, whereas if you know how to do it properly kind of thing, you can actually get away with it kind of thing, and mm-hmm. yeah, little things like that, yeah, but at club rugby, I guess it's not it's not too bad, like, you know, you're probably, oh, actually, Premier Rugby, yeah, there's a, the scrums are a lot better now um, than back in, back in the day, but no, nah, it's, it's a fine art, scrummaging, eh, it's a... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I definitely don't want to stick my head in there myself. <laughs> You'll be alright, bro. You know, a couple of scrums. And <laughs> anyway, bro, so you you did the whole preseason thing with the Crusaders. Yeah. So how did it get to the point where they kept you on and you ended up making your debut, bro? Yeah, so uh, what was it? I was initially, sorry, I was supposed to just um, stay with the Crusaders from that, from November to December preseason. Mm-hmm. And... I guess they kind of liked the way I was training and liked the way I was going. There was no injuries or, or, or anything at the time. Um, and so they said, oh, come in for the January to February preseason. And then, you know, we'll see what happens from then. So I came in then as well and did that that part of the preseason. And then um, one of the boys had a, he, he had a, something to do with his neck, uh, Oliega, and which gave me a, Crusaders needed one of the props to fill in. So, they said, oh, we'll, we'll have you to stay stay with us for a bit longer kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, weeks went on and then ended up staying with him throughout the, the first half of the season. And, and um, yeah, and just they, they were liking the way I was training. They were liking the way I was scrumming and stuff like that. So I was just ticking all the boxes. And I was really just like a soak, guys. Um, sorry, a sponge, just soaking it all in from all the, the AB boys and even from the the local boys as well, just learning as much as I can. And then I think there was a, they had to rest some of the AB boys. And I think that's why I got my opportunity at the, coming off the bench at Tighthead. Um, they rested Owen Franks and then Oli Yeager was also injured. So Mikey Alalatoa had to start at three. And then they gave me a, a shot on the bench um, at Tighthead prop there against the Chiefs. Yeah, and that's how it kind of all unfolded. And even then I was still week to week, Calling kind of thing, uh, injury replacement, and that's how it. That's how it uh, went the whole season. I was just week to week, but ended up week to week throughout the whole season, kind of thing. Um, it was yeah, it was an awesome first year. Um, being in that environment and just, I was honestly just learning as as, as much as I can. Even now, bro, um, I go in and just try and learn as much as I can and try and better myself and with the players around me and yeah, picking up on little things and little habits that they do and just using it for myself kind of thing so yeah. um, it was pretty cool cool first year to be a part of them even though I wasn't officially a contracted player with uh, Crusaders I managed to actually rack up a few games so 
bro, what was yeah. your debut like, bro? Talk us through getting named on the bench and then yeah. even just like rocking up to, what is it, is it Hagley Park on the day and then all the stuff that went yeah. through there. Yeah, so they usually name the team on the Monday of the week of our game, so um, and they usually play a video and stuff like that and, and have the, run the plays from 1 to 10, giving a few highlights and stuff. And then, um, yeah, bro, they run through the team and then number 18, George Bauer, and I was like, what is happening, man? Like, uh, my heart started beating, eh? I was like, fire out. I was, yeah, got a bit emotional, you know, like just because of my journey and I was thinking of my parents and stuff and how they've helped me throughout my journey. And then also, you know, all those those times that I, you know, didn't get much game time and stuff like that. And it was kind of just, a, you know, I've, I've kind of cracked it. I've made it. Like, I've got mm-hmm. my, my shot kind of thing. And so that's that, that was my feeling that that week kind of thing. I just took it with me throughout the whole training and or throughout the whole week and just really used it to, to better myself so that come game time, I'm ready. Um, and then, yeah, running on the field uh, that game, that was, that was a pretty pretty good crowd as well at our home stadium sorry Orange Theory Stadium and just running out and um, yeah man it was just uh, oh, it was pretty I think I ran out on the line out and then they did a return ball and I just wanted to get into the game so I just ran a short ball off the nine it wasn't even part of the, <laughs> the structure bro so just really wanted to get into the game so I was fizzing man I was just you know scoop of pre-workout just got me up and, uh, I didn't even need it bro I was already up man so I was, it was awesome, bro. It was awesome feeling, man. Uh, and we won that game as well. Ended up becoming uh, Crusader two three three that game. Uh, same same debut as Old Severus as well. So it was good, good, good game to be a part of. Yeah, yeah, yeah bro. Sure. And then you guys go on and win the comp, bro. Yeah, man. And, yeah. I mean, and I know the the winning culture is already there, but like, I mean, winning a Super Rugby championship must have just been a surreal feeling for you, bro. Just like. Within a 12-month span, you've gone from a guy that, like you said, is an yeah. injury call-up for Otago, and then you've got the Super Rugby Cup in your hands, bro. Like, what the heck? Oh, hard out, man. I just remember after the game, um, like I, I went on my knees, did a little prayer, and then I looked up and I thought to myself, like, 2018, I was honestly playing for Otago Bees, you know, and probably just a year later, just over a year later, I'm playing in a Super Rugby final like winning a Super Rugby final. And I was just like, far out. This is, you know, is this even real? Like, I have to pinch myself kind of thing. And that's the first thing I kind of thought. And then I just, yeah, I was just stoked after that. I was just like, wow, it's real, boys. It's real. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I was actually so lucky. I managed to get the opportunity as well to, to play in that final and wear that final jersey as well. So, man, it's awesome to be a part of it to be a part of the, that winning team kind of thing. So, yep. yeah. But I mean, what is what is it about the Christchurch, Canterbury and Crusaders setup that makes them so good for it? Like, what do they do differently than everywhere else in New Zealand or what do they do differently to Otago or Wellington? Yeah. Um, well, what I've experienced when I've, since I've been here um, with our coaches at the moment, I mean, like, I know a lot of teams are the same as well. Like, just the, the player environment, player cult, uh, culture is real good. The coaches really integrate well with the players as well. They really understand each and every player, um, how they react to, to certain things, how they, you know, how they take information and stuff like that. So um, that's one aspect of, of it. 
another aspect is that they really trust their players will do their work. Um, let's say you have a bye week, the trainers put out the running programs and gym programs. They'll trust that the player does the work and come into the next week after the bye, hissing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's huge, huge trust that goes in, into the players to do their work. Um, and that's one thing that, that they have as well. And or even just the boys, uh, the work ethic in between the boys and, and the habits that everyone picks up is something you take away with you and, and you use it around your environments kind of thing and it just helps you better yourself kind of thing. But one thing, yeah, one thing that I'll probably stand up for me is just the culture and, and the environment and the real good relationships that the players and the coaches have. Yeah, that's one thing I've picked up mainly with the, the Crusaders. And then, yeah, just the players working hard for, for each other, as in doing the best for yourself so that you can better the team kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that's huge. That's huge in the in the Crusader team as well, in the environment. Yeah, bro. Is, it, is there anyone, um, is there a standout individual for you that is always the hardest worker in the room at the Crusaders? Oh, everyone's pretty got, everyone's got the same mindset, eh? Like, you work hard so that it's better for the team. But if there was, you know, there's a few players that go hard, man. But one guy that actually, like, he's, he does everything, you know, 100% and probably even more is uh, Ethan Blackadder from Tasman. Uh, he's unreal. Workhorse, man. Like, his fitness, his his gym, his gym regime and stuff like that, his his food that he eats. He's, um yeah, even when we train, bro, he just 100%, like, just nails everything and, his work ethic is unreal, zero none kind of thing. So um, he's one of the boys that yeah I really look up to in, in terms of work ethic and really working hard to to better yourself. He's always mm-hmm. looking for something to help him better his game and stuff like that. And it's it's something I take in as well. Just like oh I need to be more like that, kind of be more hungry and stuff like that. He's yeah he's he's always hungry, man. He's always hungry to get better, and he's he's always hungry to eat food too. That guy can eat, man. <laughs> brotherhood yeah <laughs> yeah so. uh, but a lot of the boys are kind of like that as well so it's it's good it keeps the competition up and it keeps everyone honest as well so yeah yeah, yeah for sure bro keep everyone accountable hard out man so you, you talk about food bro and sort of that build up to a game what are some of your or what is your game day routine bro and do you have any superstitions um right if if it's a seven thirty game or seven seven game. I usually, I usually just have a, you know, just wake up when I wake up, and then, you know, have some porridge and, and berries and stuff like that. Just a humble breakfast, and then I'll probably go get a coffee with the boys at you know one of our local cafes and just have a scone and a, and a coffee and stuff. You know, really kick back, and then ah, come back home, and just chill, chill until game time, pretty much. Then we have our walkthrough and stuff like that, and then we have our pre-match meal. So yeah, for me, oh, I, I try and always have a sleep before the game, a little nap before I head to the field, just even if it's 30 minutes or 45 minutes. Um, sometimes I feel like if I don't have a nap, I'll be like, oh shit, yeah, I'll probably play with my mind kind of thing, my, my mental prep. So I try and get a good nap in, and then you know, it's kind of like I'm set, have a shower, and then into it kind of thing. It's kind of like switch on mode. But uh, not really a big superstitious guy. Like I don't put on the right sock before the left or tie my left left boot before my right boot kind of thing. It's kind of just a, I just go with the flow until until we warm up kind of thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, man. So it's just a, it's pretty much a basic routine for me. Yep. But um, it, yeah, just try and 
keep it the same every game. Hundred, bro. Now, what do you, bro? What does George do outside of football, bro? What does he get up to on his day off? Oh man, I actually don't do much. Uh, ever since I've been in Christchurch, um, you know, once you've kind of been around Christchurch, gone up Port Hills and gone to Sumner Beach and stuff like that, you kind of like, what else is there to do? Um, I'm not really a golfer or a hunter, you know, you, we have a few boys that go out for golf. I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm not really one of those boys. Um, so, yeah, that's something I actually have to um, find something to do during my day off. You know, I've, I've still got cutting hair there, but um, I do that every now and then. But apart from that, uh, nothing really, eh? you know, a, few, a bit of gaming here and there, Modern Warfare or Fortnite, but yeah. All right, yeah, so... Maybe we can do there. Um, yeah. And then, bro, what, what's your plan for after rugby, bro? Will you just look to go back and pursue your teaching degree? Or yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, uh, definitely, I was wanting to just even enrol in, in a paper next semester when I go back down to Dunners for Mighty Ten Cup. But we'll see how that falls out with the whole coronavirus and tertiary studies and stuff like that. But definitely yeah. still want to get into into the education side of things and teaching and and things like that, but you know, if that always if that doesn't turn out, then um, if it work out, sorry, then I'll probably you know get into barbering, maybe uh, start up a a wee little barber shop and <laughs> grow it out, kind of thing from then. Nice, so, nice. Yeah, that's, well, that's one of the ideas. Down, bro. Yeah, you've man, already got me here. Hard out, man. Got the boys, and yeah, so that's oh. yeah, that's probably another another thing that I could fall back on. Um, or not fall back on, but yeah. Head yeah, towards yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly, bro. Yeah. All right. Um, I think that, that wraps up all of the footy chat, bro. And I've got a few questions that I want to throw at you before that, bro. Um, yeah, 100. I've got, a, I've got a few nicknames that I found on the internet for yourself, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah? And so, and so if you could just explain them to me, bro, and, and perhaps the origin of them. Okay. If, uh, I've, I've, yeah. if, I, if uh, I've heard them. <laughs> the, the Fijian bulldozer. Nah, man, someone's taking the piss there, bro. I, I've what never about, heard what that. I've never... <laughs> what about the humble horse? Oh, what the? <laughs> bro, I think someone's. Oh, nah, I've never heard that either. <laughs> oh, and last one, bro, the Fijian prince. What? The Fijian <laughs> prince? Nah, man, someone's. Oh, someone's. Done some good, uh, some good, uh, <laughs> oh, stitch up, eh? Holy. Some good, yeah, stitch up, bro. <laughs> I've never heard those ones. <laughs> All right, bro. Uh, well, so I've got this, I got this segment called 10 from the bin. Yeah, there's 10 questions that I, I start all the boys that I get on. So you just answer them as best you can for me, please. Okay, sweet. Okay, uh, what's your go to vessel at the pre drinks on a night out? Oh, ah. Corona's, bro. I love a good Corona, eh? Yeah, maybe not at this time, eh? But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, who is the biggest coach's pet you've been around? Oh, biggest coach's pet. Ah. I might have to say uh, Hisa Sasagi from Otago. Okay. Yeah, bro. He loves. Oh, he just you know, he just tries to. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's yeah he's he's definitely a big coach's pet. Yep. <laughs> What's your must do on a day off? Um, must do on a day off. Mm, I don't really have any. Yeah, 
sleep in? Yeah. Do you go out to eat at oh. all? Anything like that? Nah, bro. Yeah, bro. It's just, I don't have just a... Yeah, just chill. Yeah, bro. All right. Yeah, all good. Uh, what's your least favourite fitness block? Oh, fitness block? Probably... It'd have to be like um, that, all that uh, body work stuff like, um, you know, that grit kind of thing. Oh, whatever. Yeah. F45, yeah. The, you know, those body work. <laughs> yeah, stuff. I hate that stuff. Eh? I'd rather do running and... And shit like that, didn't do that stuff. So. <laughs> True. Favorite cheat meal? Uh, cheat meal for me probably have to be a good, uh, some, yeah, good bucket of wicked rings, eh? Bro, the, the boys love KFC, eh? All Mate, the boys yeah, you love You know, you have to, KFC, bro. Eh? After a game, man. Oh, bro, yeah. Bro, I, I get it, bro. I'm just surprised <laughs> that it's like. It's just that accepted amongst all the rugby boys, bro. Yeah, so. man. You know, they are one of the super rugby sponsors, so, you know, we've got <laughs> <laughs> to keep, you know, keep up with them kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure, bro. What's your most regretful baller purchase, bro? So, that means, what have you gone out and spent, like, a whole lot of money on, and then, like, the next day being like, bro, I should not have bought that? Um, what did I... I don't really... Oh, if I was had one thing, it'd probably be my iPad. I I barely use it, but it was only like oh, it was like probably just oh, under a K. But yeah, probably barely use it. Um, that's probably one thing that I yeah, I probably I'd, I'd want to get my money back for. <laughs> yeah, Fair nothing enough, big though. Yeah, nothing yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, guilty music pleasure. What's that? Uh, so like, who who's one? artist in your Spotify that you wouldn't want the boys finding out that you listen to? Oh, Shania Twain, bro. Brotherhood. <laughs> her songs are mean, man. <laughs> Damn. That's oh. a good one, eh? Yeah, bro. What's your go-to dance move? Um, boy, I don't mind a little, yeah, a little daggy here and there, you know? It's a bit, <laughs> this is like five years old now, but Always gets me in the mood. <laughs> <laughs> after a few coronas, eh? After if, uh, it's full on doggy cat daddy, all that. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the biggest grub you've played with and against? Um, biggest grub I played with, oh, probably um, he's an old dog, uh, Haliti Poli from um, played ATM for Southland. He's quite an old old boy. I played club with him my first year in Dunners Harbour. Oh, actually, a few years down there. Harbour Hawks, bro. He is, um, oh, he's a, he's a good, he's classic old school player. I remember um, I was running the ball once and, and got tackled. And then he came to clean out and I just heard this huge, like a boom. And I was like, what the hell? Like, some, it sounded like someone broke their, their, a bone or something. And I looked up and one of the, the boys that tried to hunt my ball was just on the on the ground screaming and apparently Holly came and tried to clean him up but hooked his uh, nose at the same time and probably fractured his nose or something. <laughs> uh, you know, that's just one of the many stories. Yeah, he's 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 a he's a he's someone I probably wouldn't want to play against, say. So. Good old Holly. Yeah, man. So, classic old school bro. Oh. Yeah. Yeah bro. Um, yeah. Okay, and last question bro. And you gotta answer this honestly. <laughs> You gotta finish the sentence for me, okay? All right. Saturdays are for the the boys. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
you know it. <laughs> oh, my man, my man. Oh. <laughs> I hope your missus doesn't listen to podcasts. Man. <laughs> oh, anyway, bro, that, that wraps it up, man. I appreciate yeah, man. you taking some time out to have recorded all with me, bro. bro. Uh, hope that you're safe and healthy and not getting too bored down in Christchurch and yeah. hopefully we get some footy back soon, eh? So you guys can yeah. get back to doing what you love. Hard out, man. Yeah, thanks Jordan for the yeah, for the little podcast uh, interview here. It's pretty cool that you could take it out there and share share the story and hopefully someone gets something out of it kind of thing as well. So Exactly, bro. Yeah. But nah, right, man, man. love your work, bro. Appreciate it, brother. I'll I'll catch you up, man. Yeah, you take it easy, eh? Catch you later, bro.